We've been fighting a long time, and we have all lost so very much. So many loved ones gone. But you are not alone. There are pockets of resistance all around the planet. We are at the brink. You have no idea how important you are. If you're listening to this, you are the resistance. Ave Maricela Dei Mater Alma Atve Semper Virgo Felix Hey, welcome everybody. Stay with Suspect Ellen. Coming out to you with another book review. This time, Holy Silence. I did a podcast on the silence book that Cardinal Seurat did. The day after someone sent uh, Sophia sends me a link with a new book coming out by Father Basil here, and I was like, I gotta get in on this. Send me one, and please, uh, please invite Father on to this talk about the book. So here we are, Father. Welcome. How are you? How you doing? And uh, thank you for joining. Thank you for having me. I'm very happy to be with you today. So tell me, there was a there was a book that inspired you to do this. I guess inspired you. you took the, uh, the the framework for it. Uh, what was that book? It's an older book that made you end up as the baseline for this holy silence. Well, actually, at the time that I came to discover these 12 steps of silence, it was just one page of one sheet of paper that had the 12 stages of silence on it. Uh, later, I discovered it was published as a book, but it was originally published in French. So it was a French sister from the 19th century who was a novice mistress for the Carmelites. And after her death, they went through, they were going through her notes and they found within her, her private notes, these 12 types of silence. And recognizing the, the value of these, the Carmelites published them in French. And when I was, first beginning my formation as religious, someone gave me a sheet of paper with just a list of these 12 types of silence. That's how I first discovered these. And I used them for many years during my time of formation as a kind of examination of conscience. So I, it's how I came to know of them. What made you write to do this book anyway? What was the idea to, to say, you know, I'm going to pen a book about silence actually it didn't begin as a book but as conferences i went after being ordained a priest i was invited to give a retreat for a group of secular carmelites third order carmelites and i remembered those that list of 12 types of silence and i developed three conferences treating the four types in each of the conferences and I found it was very well received. And so over the years after that, when I was invited to give conferences in different places, I kept coming back to that theme because people were always interested in that theme. And so over the last 25 years, I've given those conferences many times. And finally, somebody told me that I had to write a book about these things. I had to write it down to make it more accessible to people. And so after many years of trial and error, I finally was able to get it out on paper. 
I can speak for people probably thinking this right now. Man, I wish I could hear some of those conferences. Uh, just to give everyone a list of the uh, uh, the the the, uh, the litany of uh, silences in here: the silence of speech, the silence of body, the silence of the senses, the silence of the imagination, the silence of the memory, the silence of interior conversations, the silence of the heart, the silence of self-love, the silence of the spirit, the silence of judgment. That was a big one. I like that one. The silence of the will, the silence of union. There's there's a lot that people, I don't know, I don't, I don't know anybody that does all that right now. I mean, I get, you know, don't do it all at once, you know, train your body to become better at each one. But as a, in a total, we all got to work on that. Yeah, Sam, it, that's the idea of the book is to offer an overview of these different aspects of silence that are very important for, to, maintain our openness to God's grace. So evident, evidently, silence is not an end in itself. It's a means to greater union with God. And so, but people can be aware of the need to a certain discipline in speech, to not be talking too much. But even when they manage to do that, they can still have a lot of other types of noise in their soul. And so the idea of the book is to offer a kind of guide that you can keep coming back to. I, I, I've come back to these over the last 30 years, and I always find that I need to remember these things. It's, 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 um, yeah, it demands a great deal of vigilance in order to advance in these forms of silence. You know, just like uh, you make a speech, that's kind of an easy one to... Well, take that back. If someone punches you, if someone you know speaks about you, it's it's easy to respond back. It's hard to be silent in that kind of like a, you know everyone says be like Christ on the cross. He got a lot of trash talk to him up there, and he didn't bite, he didn't shout back. And, but the imagination one, I mean, you can you can be as quiet as a mouse. That imagination, silence of the imagination, that's a hard one. I thought it's you know songs just pop in your head. The old past comes back. You had a. How do you how do you help rein that one in? So the idea in each of these forms of silence is to make use of this capacity that we have. For instance, the imagination. The imagination is extremely important for our whole human life, our intellectual life, and it's we need our imagination. But we need to form it. We need to purify it. The, the, the problem is the world has a tendency to deform it. The, all the different types of images that modern media, movies, and so on, they offer a defor de deformation of the imagination. So the idea of silencing the imagination is to make good use of the imagination, to use it for meditating, for to form it according to the truths of our faith. And so... For instance, I believe in the, the existence of the Holy Guarded Angel. And so the idea of forming my imagination so that I can, in a certain sense, see the Guardian Angel, who, uh, feel his presence. The imagination is that capacity to see something in the concrete, singular existence. And so the idea, God loves everyone, is a universal truth that I can see, I can know with my intellect. But the idea that God loves me in a very real, concrete way, it's through the imagination 
this is a major theme in St. John Henry Newman in his Ascent to the Grammar of the Faith, the Grammar of the Ascent of Faith. He sees that our a real living faith needs, it depends upon an imagination that's formed by the faith because it gives, what gives it a concrete, very real experience of the truths of the faith. And so the imagination, we can't, and we wouldn't want to ever actually silence it completely, evident, but we want to form it. So it comes to, the idea is each, when it's, properly directed to its proper end, to the truth of the faith, then there's a certain rest in the imagination. There's a certain inter, inner silence. Whereas when we allow the deformations to come in, then there's the noise, and that's the problem. It's the noise that comes from false imaginations. Like you brought up guardian angels, where there was a section you brought up about your angels probably talking to you, you just can't hear him with all the noise going on or, or things that you're not focused on that conversation. Yeah, I think I speak about that in the silence of the senses. When yes. we are um, when we are seeking noise, <laughs> it's a problem. Sometimes we can't avoid it. We're in a shopping mall, we're in a restaurant, or we're out in public and there's noise around us. And that's not such a problem as when we are the ones that turn on the noise and because we're doing it to distract ourselves, to fill ourselves with something. Whereas the angel is the one who wants to help fill us with God. And so he tries to call us and he gets a busy signal because we are willingly inviting other noise in. And so we kind of blocking him. It's always a danger. So that's the idea of, being aware of the need for the silence in order to maintain that openness to the inspiration of the holy angel. As how you mentioned that we turned it on the uh, the noise. I know people that have the TV on; they're not even watching it, but it's on just to have noise in the background. Or you hear that people say that I need noise in the background to sleep. Or uh, uh, we had that when we were in college; we had the radio playing pretty much twenty four seven. So yeah, we we put the noise, we inject a lot of noise in our. I mean, a easy practice would be just don't turn on the radio when you get in the car. It's a habit anymore. Yeah, that's a problem. We create these. We become dependent upon these things in modern technology. Every year comes out with new things to to rob us of our true freedom. There was like the uh, the part of the uh, the judgment one I thought was great was. You bring up, and I'm not trying to bring up controversy, the liturgical wars. And you bring up the remain silence to the judgment of the church. I thought that was a fantastic way of putting it. Yeah. In the, in the way to understand that is the church, not just this bishop or this pope, but the church in its 2,000-year history. What is the church? I mean, so, um, I mean, this idea of liturgical preferences or whatever, to see the the different rituals, the rites that the church has used over centuries, uh, they're beautiful and we have to reverence them. We can never say, oh, this this old rite is, you know, it's outdated, whatever. It's something that's timeless, it's eternal. And that's the idea of the church in these things, to form 
our judgment again in the light of the mind of the church, in, again, not taking just a little slice of this moment or that moment, but the whole history of the church gives us a, a view of things that should um, overcome these kind of factions and this tendency to cause divisions within the church. And uh, even the remaining silent when being persecuted, uh, was, Saint, was it St. Gerard you brought up that the, the, uh, the Al him and Alphonse is talking about, why don't you defend yourself? And it's in their rule of just remaining silent. I mean, you pretty much take the, take the punishment in a sense, not, not that, not like that, but it's, you, you didn't talk, you didn't uh, bring up someone else. You you just, you were accused, you took it. Yeah, that was an heroic example of yeah. a saint who was falsely accused and he never defended himself. And so St. Alphonsus just supposed that it's true because he's not saying anything to defend himself. But then he finds out that he's innocent and... The reason he didn't defend himself was because, according to the rule of the Redemptorists, it was forbidden to, to defend yourself in these kind of situations, and he just followed the rule. That's something that's extraordinary heroic. I mean, obviously, there are situations when we have every justification and also sometimes an obligation for the common good to defend ourselves, but he, in that particular situation, accepted the humiliation for his own sanctification. Yeah, not not telling people to go out there and just take the, you know, do that. I mean, try, but you don't have to take it to that level, I guess. But um, in prayer, you bring up the part of in uh, silence in, ter in the interior conversations. You bring up St. Teresa of Avila, I think, quite a bit. And I, I would I would bet the wager I'm included in that, the uh, distraction in prayer. How, you know, People think that maybe there's too much distraction. Kids are running around, you know, going crazy. You're trying your best to keep them still. It's pretty much impossible to keep a five or three-year-old to remain still in the house when you're saying 15, 20 minutes of prayer. How do you keep the distractions yourself or voluntary distractions or how you rein in the, the mind when you're trying to converse with God when something else comes up like, you know, hey, the World Series in 1998 pops in my head or something like that, you know. How do you filter that out or try to rein in or uh, strengthen yourself so that you don't fall into that while you're praying? Yeah, so there's the one thing of external situations that we have no control over. That's one thing. And just to be able to learn to accept things. I mean, it's sometimes, for instance, after Mass, uh, we have just received Holy Communion, the Mass ascended, we'd like to spend some time in silent prayer, and all of a sudden everybody starts talking. Everybody's talking. And, but that shouldn't be a problem. I mean, if we can just focus on our Lord and we're there to talk to Him, we can talk to other people when we're in a situation of conversations around us. We should be able to do that also. We have to train ourselves to be able to calmly focus on our Lord and continue our conversation, our prayer with him, despite what's going on around us. That's one thing. The other thing is the interior distractions, the noise that we create. So in doubt, let's just say I go to the Adoration Chapel, everything's silent, there's no noise around me, 
and yet I'm thinking about how I'm going to um, explain something to my friend when I get home, or I'm going to start what I'm going to say to my neighbor when I get home. I start and I imagine this conversation. I imagine what he's going to say in response, and I go on and on. That kind of distraction, obviously, is something that's very common. Or to think about the World Series or some other event. It's always a question of discernment. The thing that's come that's preoccupying me the thing that keeps coming back to me is a question is it really something serious is something that i really have to think about in which case i talk to our lord about it i say lord i have to go back home and i have to talk to my neighbor about something i'm thinking about saying this to him what do you think and and to elevate it into prayer so it becomes part of my conversation with our lord because prayer should be something that that involves my 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 life it shouldn't be up in the clouds it has to involve my concrete problems of day-to-day life and so these preoccupations that are serious i bring into prayer i discuss them with my lord and i i sit there in the silence and i try to listen to his, what he has to say what is how is he going to guide me so that's one thing other things that really are real distractions that are not worth thinking about at this moment that's simply to try to calmly put aside and turn our our attention back to our lord and begin again our conversation with our lord saying oh lord see i'm again thinking about this thing I, i'd rather not think about it. i want to talk to you i'm here for you but not to allow it to become a cause of anxiety or these kind of feelings, negative feelings, can really complicate our the silence that we're seeking to be with the Lord, right? to be with the Lord in us, the interior tranquility to the extent of possible, and to try to, when anxieties arise, to hand them over to Him, to ask Him to help us deal with these things, so that we can arrive at. So I, just as He calmed the sea. It was during the storm when they were in the boat. He can also calm all the anxieties of our heart when we're in any kind of storm. And the church, I mean, we know the church is stormy weather, and we have to have that kind of confidence in him. There's a, another one is the silence of the will, and people will probably be thinking, oh, what does that mean? Uh, it seems like part of a, Acceptance of God's will, one. I was a uniformity of God's will, like St. Alphonsus writes about. And uh, you end the chapter with, uh, was it Julian of Norwich and St. Anthony of the Desert? And uh, Julian's line of, uh, or no, your line, and you bring up saying about how we see, uh, it's, we are too limited and too blind to see that uh, what good can come out of things, how all things work for the good of God. And, uh, Anthony's prayer of, you know, you see these good people, these rich people getting this and these ev- evil people gaining, you know, righteous things and all this. And what about the poverty? What about the oppressed? And God basically tells them, uh, turn your eyes upon yourself. Uh, almost like worry about yourself in a sense. Yeah. So the one thing is, I mean, St. Julian of Norwich, who was living at a very, very troubled time in the church, you had, you know, the a war between Christian nations. You had the plague, the Black Plague, that was wiped out. You had um, anti-popes and so on. 
just a big mess in Europe at the time. And so she was just in anguish, knowing what's going on in the world and the church and saying, what's with this? How is it, how is it going to come out? And our Lord appeared to her and said, don't worry. Everything will be okay. Everything will be well. You'll see. In the end, everything will be well. And she said, but how is it possible that everything will be well? You have this problem, that problem, this confusion, that confusion. Calm down. And then he, he, see, you know, he gave that response saying, I mean, it, well, it was St. Julian that had came to recognize, humbly recognizing that our intellect is so limited, we can't possibly begin to conceive the infinite wisdom of God. But we have to trust in that infinite wisdom of God, God who created all things for the good. He has a plan, and even with the greatest of confusions that can happen in the world, in the church, God has a plan. And that's the, the ultimate key to handing our will over to him, to, to entrust ourselves and our lives to him with that confidence. Because even in our own lives, there can be all kinds of different inconceivable things that happen, and we resisting accepting them, that's the idea, is to um, trust in God. Trust in God's infinite love and his infinite wisdom will help us to come to that silence of our will by uniting our will as a conform uniformity of our will to the will of God. It's, it's hard to, we want to control, I guess, everything. And instead of control, want to control, and then we get mad about not being able to control or something goes wrong, we get mad about that instead of, well, was one priest has a great line. Uh, God isn't God is God. He has the uh, he has the uh, he has the background. He has the uh, the stats, whatever to go with it. He has the job description. He's got this. He, just you're not. You're just. What was that? That line from Rudy. One thing. What, I know two truths in my life. There is a God, and I'm not him. <laughs> <laughs> That's the bottom line. How about the the silence of union? Um, yeah, because well, back to the other one, I was thinking of the St. Anthony one. We tell our kids all the time, beeswax. You know, mind your own beeswax. And he's talking, he's trying to point out, but Therese is doing this. Their sister, his sister, or the brother's doing that. They point out, and that seems like what God was telling Anthony. Hey, man, mind your own stuff right now. I'll take care of that. You worry about you become a, become a saint, in a sense. Yeah, I mean, basically, I mean, saying these are things that are beyond your comprehension, so... Just focus on the things that you can understand, which is your own, <laughs> your own life, your own business. Yes. The uh, the silence of union. That's the uh, you have in there the uh, line from uh, uh, the catechism talking about contemplative prayer is silence, the quote symbol of the world to come or silent love. Uh, you bring up Saint John of the Cross in this as well. Is you bring you brought up earlier about uh, all this you know anxiety coming in your head and saint augustine talks about the tranquility of order the you know almost like peace in internal peace in a sense is that kind of like bringing in the same way you're you're climbing up this ladder of controlling the senses controlling the imagination to get to almost like the top rung of union be able to speak to the Lord, not in a whirlwind, but be able to, you know, filter out all this other stuff and just be at peace. Yes. 
Yeah, and so in a certain sense, the first 11 types of silence are not one depends upon the other, but they're things that we work on together. But these first 11 are kind of the part of our ascetical life, the part, the part of prayer where we are making a great deal of effort with God's grace and God's help, obviously. We need his help. But it's our fighting, our working towards advancing, cooperating with God's grace if, to eventually arrive at the, the, the silence of union, which is more of a contemplative reality. It's a passive reality of God's grace where the gifts of the Holy Spirit become predominant in our life, become the guiding principle of our life where our effort becomes less and we are able to advance with greater inner tranquility and with greater efficaciousness, I mean, with greater ease. That's, that's the idea. The, the, the goal is to be able to because each of these different types of silence is just taking all the different, each one takes a different capacity that God has given to us, the capacity to speak, the capacity to see, to listen, to think and to will and to, and so on. Our emotions, these are all different capacities, but the idea is each of these capacities is made ultimately for God. So it's a whole question, each type of silence is the question, how is it that I can orient this particular capacity towards its proper end, which is God? And how can I, what are the obstacles, what are the dangers that are typical that distract me or that can block my way on this path towards God? And so that's the idea of the book. What are some, you know, Tip, uh, maybe some ideas for the regular Joe like me or somebody else that's watching that uh, think, yeah, how can I practice? Okay, like like speech. All right, just don't bark back. Or if you get in an argument, don't say anything. Or or if you're on social media, maybe get off it. Or if you don't like something, don't write something angry back. Or kind of like a discipline in a sense. Uh, but some fundamental ways to be able to you know start by you know help do this, not that that you have like the key ingredient, but how can somebody build something like, you know, this is bugging me, uh, distractions, why this, what are some ideas that I could start to help build some uh, virtue in this? Yeah. So the, um, yeah, it's, it's a question. Everybody has their own temperament and manner that they react to different situations situation, but particularly for those who have a tendency to speak before thinking, obviously it's a way of trying to, I mean, one thing is, I mean, I know of a priest who had this problem and he said to his guardian angel, I give you permission to let me bite my tongue if I'm going to say something, if you know I'm going to say something I shouldn't say, let me bite my tongue. <laughs> He had to eventually modify it because he was biting his tongue so often. He had to, okay, wait a minute. Maybe we can do something else. <laughs> My idea is to try to find some... Yeah, it's a question of when we're personally with somebody and we're in a conversation. So, yeah, it's a question of forming a habit of trying to be 
reserve, to reserve our, to really be more reflective. If it's a situation where we have the possibility of take, stepping back, writing something, reviewing it, reviewing it again. I knew of a priest who used to give for his penance um, for somebody who was in a situation of tension between somebody else. His penance was write a letter to that person. And after you finish that letter, throw it away. And then write another letter and throw that away. And write a third letter. And then if you think it's, you can send that third letter, send the third letter. Because <laughs> sometimes we need to just get everything out and then we're calmer and we can think more rationally and then we can write something that's more balanced. It's a question of the situation, what allows us, but we need to, um, yeah, in the end, it's through a spirit of prayerfulness. I mean, this, again, the problem when I speak of the silence of the body, how the world, uh, modern world is filled with a spirit of haste. We're running from one thing to the next, and it doesn't allow us that spirit of reflection that's really necessary to be able to have that vigilance over our words, over our actions, because we don't, we don't process things as much as we should. And so this, they all come together. We need to try to, in our lives, the daily lives, have moments of reflection, of prayer, evidently. But to try to avoid the spirit of haste, exactly so that when it comes time to say something, we can give something that's actually reflective and not just reactive. Yeah, yeah the... Uh... The take a pill mindset we have. You have a headache, take a pill. Uh, you want fast food, just fast food. You want food tomorrow, you know, the next like, seconds, it's, you can get it right. It's everything's at your fingertips. Uh, internet, uh, back in my, when I was a kid, uh, if you turned it on, you could go out and play basketball for uh, 30 minutes and you come back in and it's just getting started. It's, <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> now we're upset if it takes a 10 second delay on, you know, a little glip or anything like this. Uh, uh, so yeah, it seems like patience has to come around with it as well. And along with, uh, I don't know, it's just one of those things. You know, it's, I, after reading, start reading the desert fathers a little bit more and you see the silence they're teaching you know, with, and, uh, father Abernathy's been talking about it a lot. It seems like the West in a sense has left a lot of what you've been writing on the back burner. And it seems like this could come back. It's our, it's East and West, you know, it's not like one specific for the other, one's for the other. It's just this is all Catholic. That if we in the West could bring this back in, we could make some big headways in holiness for the future and as long as society in general. I think it is something extremely important. I also, as Cardinal Sara also writes in his book, that the modern world really is in desperate need of rediscovering certain basic principles is not, I mean, obviously the most important is with regard as a foundation for our relation with God. But even apart from that, even just our relation with one another and our own personal um, psychological well-being demands that we have this, this foundational tranquil, inner tranquility and silence, it's not the, the, there are certain Eastern meditations and so on that, but the idea of the Catholic view is 
it's not silence for silence's sake, or it's not so silence to be peaceful inside. It's silence to discover God, <laughs> our Creator, who loves us, who wants to have a personal relation with us. And so it's a, a silence that's full of the fullness of being, which is our, our vocation. Yes, and you brought like in that silence of injustice. It's not like being silent to bring like abortion. It's not being silent to something evil like that. It's being silent on your, you know, you not doing something, you know, you biting someone else's head off, you saying something you're going to regret 15, 20 years later, or come judgment day, you're like, I can't believe I said that. It's not just mm -hmm. being in the corner looking at a wall, you know, just letting everything go. It's you're still of the world, in the world, acting in the world. It's just you're being better in the world. Yes, yes. And that's the, yeah, that's the great challenge. And so the idea is to um, people have a sense that something is not quite right and something has to be, they have to make some changes in their life, but to have a clarity, what exactly, what are the things that have to be, you have to pay attention to. And so what I hope is the book will help people to have a greater clarity over an overview of the different aspects of their lives where you know, they can work on this for a week or so and work on this for another week. So they have an overview of the different aspects because it's when we have greater clarity that we can deal with something. We have to be able to name the enemy before we can attack him. And so we need to have that clarity. And so that's what I hope to offer in the book, is that greater clarity. And here's the book again, it's a Sophia Press. I'll have the link underneath the video in the show notes section, of course. Uh, personally, I think it's one of the better books that's become out in the last few years, along with obviously Carlos Rosdas, you know, six years ago, seven years ago. Uh, these are the stuff that we need to be reading, at least. I don't like the drama books. We know there's problems in the church. These are kind of like a solution type deal in a sense. It, it's the base, getting back to our base, the fundamentals of the faith. Uh, in sports, you got to be able to know how to dribble before you can, you know, do crossovers up and down the court around people. So it's getting back to the fundamentals and getting back to the basics to be able to fix any problems. As Father was talking about problems in the church, we know of them, but what can we do about it instead of reading more about that and what, you know, getting more mean, getting more mad and angry at each other, maybe to uh, turn down the levels of the dictatorship of noise that's around us, right? That's one thing. I mean, in the end, the, the best thing we can do for the church and for ourselves is to strive for sanctity. I mean, that's the way the church needs saints. And that's the only solution for all the problems of the church. As, as Historically, you look at the problems historically in the church, what resolved those problems were saints. And that's what the church needs today. And we can't offer that help as long as we, uh, we just immerse ourselves in the spirit of the world. I mean, even, I mean, Spirit of the world is that spirit, even when we're looking into, we dedicate ourselves to look at the, the, the affairs of the church, but the way we do it is, again, to look at the problems, to, to see this cardinal, cardinal is saying this, and this bishop is saying this, and this is doing. That doesn't 
really help the church. It can it really can, in a certain self, weaken our trust in God at times. And so in order to trust in God, we need to work on our own relation with him. Amen to that. Father, I appreciate you coming on and talking about the book. Thank you for writing it. Um, and before you go, can you get up and give the audience a, a final blessing for you, Ron? Yes, yes. Through the intercession of the Blessed Virgin Mary, you holy guardian angels and all the angels and saints, may the blessing, protection, strength of Almighty God the Father and the Son and of the Holy Spirit descend upon you and remain with you forever. Amen. Father, thank you. Have a great one. You're very welcome.